Hello friends and good afternoon. Welcome to another study on our Tuesday, Thursday Facebook Live studies from the book of Colossians. This is Bill Allen from West Irwin Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. I hope that you are having a wonderful day and that it is a blessing where you are and that you're feeling God's presence. Uh, sometimes we feel it more than other times. I get that. Uh, but his presence is always with us and what a tremendous blessing that is. I'm glad that you are able to join me on this study as we continue on through the book of Colossians. Uh, we are going to venture into the end of Colossians chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 today uh, as we go back to the future. Uh, one of my favorite series of movies, of course, with Marty and Doc and the, uh, all the gang uh, in the Back to the Future trilogy. I just They're just fun. When I'm doing my male channel surfing thing, if one of them is on, then I'll, I'll stop at it. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first three anyway. Um, the second one is yeah, not my favorite, uh, but the first one and the third one are terrific. And, uh, and the second one is still good. And so I just um, think about that movie a lot and, um, you know, as a preacher, try to come up with ways to work it into sermons and lessons. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, today. And so it's nice to see my cousin Gail, and I'm sure Keith somewhere in there, or at least later, uh, joining me uh, today. Uh, Elizabeth and Myron Granberry, wonderful dear friends here in Tyler, and others I know will be watching and viewing either live or later uh, on the Facebook pages or on our uh, live stream archive page at westerwin.com. And so I'm glad to have you. I, I want us to go back to the future with the Apostle Paul today as he talks about our uh, mission and our purpose uh, in the latter part of the book of Colossians chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2. Um, you know, it's one of my favorite uh, memes, uh, as the saying goes, those memes that are so popular right now. Uh, one of them is uh, involves um, Back to the Future, and you see uh, Marty and Doc uh, over the, the uh, flex capacitor in the DeLorean, and Marty is in the seat, and Doc is telling him, and very frantically, uh, the caption says, Marty, whatever you do, don't set it to 2020. <laughs> I just love that. Well, in the movies, uh, they start, as you probably know, uh, in 1985, and then Marty goes back to the future, back to 1955, uh, and then gets back, obviously, ultimately. In the second one, they uh, kind of go the other way. They go from 1985 to 2015, which was interesting to think about uh, when we were in 2015, five years ago. Um, and then in the third one, which is in some ways the best one of all, uh, they, uh, they go back to the future by going back to 1885. And then, uh, and so it's a great, uh, great, great story. Uh, a lot of fun to watch those movies. Um, and as I think about that, I think about um, Paul as he writes Colossians uh, 1 and 2 uh, to this group of people who were dealing with a lot of crazy philosophies, a lot of strange teachings, much like we have in our society today. And as he was talking to them, he talked to them about um, going back to the future without using those terms, uh, looking ahead to God's um, wonderful promises being fulfilled, and doing that by looking back at the past and how God had delivered us in so many other times and how he would do that in the present now as well. And that's something that's so important for us 
uh, today in our world as well. And how does he do that? How do we do that today? How do we function um, in, in faith and in faithful, trusting obedience today in a world that can be very, very difficult? Well, I think we, we do the same thing. Uh, we go back to the future. Uh, we go back to those great teachings of Scripture and seeing God's deliverance and hearing his call uh, and, and taking our mission and our purpose uh, from that great mystery of Christ coming and dying on the cross and being raised from the dead and, and now living in us uh, as our hope of glory. It's just an incredible, incredible uh, book, the book of Colossians, and such an important statement uh, for us today. So um, let's think about that for just a moment. There's not uh, very many uh, hoverboards, uh, though there are lots of drones. Um, I don't think there's any real air taxi traffic, although we're seeing even space travel for citizens, individual civilians uh, now. So lots of fun things to think about in relation to the, the, uh, the 2015 scenes in Back to the Future. Uh, but there are some things that are quite different in 2020 than, uh, than they used to be. A lot of things, actually, as you know. Um, and I want us to just share a few things about this. Um, as I think about Milton Jones's book, Christ, No More, No Less, he brings some of these things out as he establishes that this is a very different time than what we have seen in human history. Uh, and uh, it's been that way now that we're in 2020. We've seen these changes beginning uh, really from about the middle of the 20th century uh, on to even now. Um, but it wasn't always like this. And the things that are different today, as he brings out, are how people communicate, how the world is known, how we understand the world, and, and who's in charge of our world. Not who ultimately is in charge, but who do we think is in charge? Um, in the medieval times, in the Middle Ages, um, the, the way they communicated was orally. They spoke. The spoken word uh, was important. They dealt with mystery, which were a lot of things they didn't know, they didn't understand. We might say in some ways they were ignorant of how a lot of things worked. Um, and who they thought was in charge was God. Uh, clearly, they thought God was in charge because they they, did, they couldn't do anything else. They didn't know a lot. They didn't understand a lot, especially as you compare them to our day today. Uh, but around, um, uh, let's say, the, the 1400s, 1500s, the time of the, uh, of the Reformation, the time of Gutenberg's press, uh, which changed everything dramatically, and then, of course, the importance of, of uh, uh, science as science took hold. Uh, in the um, in the 1700s and 1800s, or perhaps early uh, 20th century in the early 1900s, um, and the way people communicated then after Gutenberg's press was by print um, and and by writing. Uh, words were very important, and the written word was especially important. Uh, how the world was known became uh, not God but science. Uh, even a great uh, scholar and uh, a theologian, uh, Rudolf Bultmann, uh, tried to, as he put it, demythologize the scriptures. In other words, take all the miracles out because he didn't want to try to have to under have to explain those uh, to a scientific community that would reject them. Um, and and who was in charge? Well, 
man was in charge. Uh, there was a great sense that humanity had come a long way. We had learned a lot. We had discovered a lot. Science was going to keep telling us how everything works, and um, it was going to just be this wonderful utopia here on Earth because of, of uh, human endeavors. Um, and then the world wars came, and the atomic bombs came, and it was discovered that science was not the answer. And so when you make that transition from the modern times to what some call the postmodern times, more of the uh, times of the late 20th century, or the late uh, 20th century, the early 21st century, uh, even where we are still today, it, there are different emphasis now. Um, how people communicate now is <laughs> through technology. We've seen incredible advances in technology. Uh, some things that have helped us and some that have made life, uh, I think, a little bit more difficult and stressful. Um, but we see that more and more all the time. Uh, and, and so we're incredibly able to communicate and, and, uh, uh, and we do that worldwide uh, in real time. It's amazing. Uh, how the world is known is through uh, mystery and through science. It's true both. Uh, they're still uh, in this postmodern time or some even call it a post-postmodern. That's getting a little bit too philosophical for Bill. Uh, but what they see is, well, science has been found to not have all the answers after all, but, but still valuable. Um, and so let's not throw away completely the mystery. We've seen a resurgence of people who are interested in spiritual things. Even if they're not interested in church or religion or the Bible, they are interested in the spiritual. I think that's a great opportunity for us that was a little bit less seen uh, in the last few hundred years. Um, and, and then you ask the question, who's in charge? You know, initially in the, uh, in the Middle Ages, it was God. Uh, and then science came along, and in the modern era, uh, in the days of the Enlightenment, and uh, the, especially the 18th, 19th, early 20th centuries, um, it, was, it was man who was in charge. And now, um, it appears no one is in charge. It appears like there's no great authority. There's no ultimate truth. Uh, now the phrase is not the truth, but your truth and my truth. And, and maybe they don't agree, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter because as Jesus talked to Pilate, he asked him about truth. And, and Pilate, being the politician that he was, um, asked himself, I think, not Jesus, but himself the question, what is truth? And I think it's because he had lost that understanding well, uh, as we think about our life today and the call to find that truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me in John 14. Um, I think Americans would typically claim some kind of Christian faith, many of them still. You may not think that, but the percentages are going down. That's true. Uh, but many still claim some kind of Christian faith. Uh, recent surveys show that more and more are saying no to that. Before, it was not socially acceptable to say you weren't a Christian or you didn't have faith. Uh, you didn't go to church anywhere. You were uh, agnostic or atheist. You didn't believe in God. Now, the nuns, N-O-N-E, as we said, uh, who check none when asked about what is your religion, uh, they're, they're more than fine with that. And our culture is more than fine with that. Didn't used to be that way not very long ago, but it's that way now. 
and that's totally acceptable. And so because of that, some people who have felt that way, I believe, all their lives, but have never really said it out loud, now feel like they can say it out loud. And so I don't think that much has changed. We might panic sometimes when we see the numbers, but I really don't think that much has changed. Uh, other than they're now saying that out loud. They've always believed it in their head and in their heart. Even though they might have warmed a pew every Sunday, as we say, it was never something that had hold of their lives. Um, and I think that's unfortunate. Um, we see the studies and we see the, the numbers going down of how many people have claimed to be um, uh, of Christian faith, those who have no faith, the numbers increasing. Uh, and we see that more and more. Um, but we also see studies that say the ones who do claim to have Christian faith, that Christian faith is very important to them. Um, in 2009, a Barna research study said by an overwhelming margin, 74% to 23%, adults agreed that their religious faith was becoming even more important. And I think we're going to see that more and more uh, as people realize that uh, our society, our culture, our politicians, um, our jobs, our bank accounts, our uh, economy, they don't, they don't have the answers. They, they can't give us the stability that we're looking for. Um, and, and so we see more and more uh, people claiming that their faith is much more important to them, even though the total numbers of those who claim to have faith are going down. The ones who are saying, yes, I am a person of faith, that faith is very important to them. They read their Bibles. They go to church. They serve in their uh, communities. Um, we certainly have some challenges uh, today, and we face those challenges, I think, by going back to the future, not in a souped-up DeLorean, although that would be fun, but in the Word of God, going back to what Scripture calls us to live and to do and to be. And we see that in this great passage in Colossians 1 and 2. As we saw last time in Colossians 1, the last couple of lessons, uh, beginning in verse uh, 15 and going through uh, verse 23, there's a, a great call that announces the supremacy and preeminence uh, of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and Creator and Sustainer and Head of the Body, His Church. And we also see those last few verses in that passage, uh, a call and an affirmation of the supremacy and preeminence of the gospel of Jesus Christ that which can save when nothing else can, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so for a moment, let's go back to the future, back to the scripture, uh, and realize what our mission is, what our purpose is, uh, and realize and see once again that it comes back to that, what scripture calls the great mystery. Colossians 1, beginning in verse 24. Colossians 1, 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery, verse 26, that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. What a great statement, uh, that last verse, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what the mystery is. In scripture, the mystery is not a nice Raymond Burr uh, uh, Ironsides or something, some kind of 
of uh, justice uh, dilemma today on TV, but rather it is more of uh, something that has been hidden and has now been revealed. That is how Scripture uses the term mystery. Scripture talks about how the prophets of old wanted to find out the answers that they were seeking, but they never did because God was preparing something more for us and revealing it in our time. Well, the mystery Paul announces is that Christ is in you. He is the hope of glory. The mystery is that Jesus Christ has died and been raised from the dead for everyone, for all who believe, uh, as Romans 3 tells us, because there's no difference between anyone for all have sinned and come short of God's glory. Uh, and because of that, this salvation is for all through Jesus Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We now have hope, but it's not because of what's in our bank account or, or uh, the, our, the fact that our candidate won this last election or will win the next one or anything like that. Um, our, our faith, our assurance is strictly in the mystery of the gospel, that is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have hope because of the glory of Jesus Christ. And that glory comes because of a, of a, a hill called Calvary, uh, the Latin for Golgotha, the place of the skull, and a cross that was there and a man who was nailed to it. And it, our hope comes because of an empty tomb where he was laid and from which he powerfully rose from the dead. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery uh, that is revealed and now goes back to the future, and so we find experiencing that even today. Scripture also talks about the mission. In fact, in this passage is my personal mission statement. In Colossians 1, verses 21, 28 and 29, we proclaim him, and, uh, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Uh, it is such an amazing statement of faith that Paul, I think, uh, mentions to the uh, Colossians as this is, this is who I am, this is why I'm living. Uh, and, and I've taken that on as my mission that goes back to the future, back to Paul himself, back to the mystery of the gospel. Uh, and if you want to borrow this statement for your mission as well, feel free to do that. Our wonderful uh, children's minister, Donnie Cook, uh, made a wonderful plaque for all of us a while back when we were uh, reviewing some of the scripture passages that were especially meaningful at that time in our, in our staff meetings. And this one was mine, Colossians 1, uh, 28 and 29. Uh, it is from an earlier version of the New International Version, in case you were using the most current one from uh, 2011. It goes back a few years from there. But it's, um, it, it's words that I live by. We proclaim him, uh, uh, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. That's our goal, is to present everyone perfect in Christ. And to do that, we're willing to speak to them. Uh, we're willing to admonish. We're willing to teach. Uh, we're willing to proclaim. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. The power is not in the messenger. Power is in the message. Power is in the gospel. The power is in the Christ who died and was raised from the dead. 
That's the great mission that we have. And it goes back to the future. It's what Jesus said the gospel is for all. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. I've come to serve, not to be served. Uh, I've come to give my life so that everyone who believes in me uh, would have eternal life rather than uh, the death that comes from their sins. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, uh, Jesus said in John 10. Um, and then he calls on us to share that same mission. Looking at those great commission passages in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and Luke 24 and Acts 1 verse 8 to be witnesses starting right where we are and then in the surrounding areas and to the very ends of the world. And as Jesus says in that last statement in Matthew 28, and I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Um, and so we go about the task of making disciples uh, throughout the world. Uh, we go about the task of proclaiming him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we too might present everyone perfect in Christ. So we labor in that same way, just as Paul did. Uh, and I believe that this mission is being taken on uh, by more and more of those who are connected with the church, who are connected with Jesus Christ. I see it in our young adults at our West Irwin Church of Christ. Uh, it's just a wonderful, amazing group. Uh, whether it's Wednesday night before Bible classes begin by just kind of hanging out in our Family Life Center uh, and enjoying a brown bag lunch together, watching the kids play, visiting with each other, or in the Bible classes uh, themselves, um, great Bible classes that we have going on, ha having fellowship in other times and being there for each other when they're going through something so difficult and so hard, or when they have great joys to share. I see that. I see that in these young families, and it's super exciting. And yeah, maybe there's the numbers are not as great as they used to be, but I can tell you, the ones that remain connected to the church, they are connected. I mean, they are there. And I hope and pray that that describes you. I hope and pray that you don't give up on Christ in you, that hope of glory. I hope and pray that you don't give up on what Paul calls again, just as he did in the earlier passage in Colossians 1, his body, the body of Christ, the church for which Jesus died. Uh, we see it all the time. I realize that more and more we see this younger generation uh, because they're, they, they've seen the pictures, they've seen the sonograms, they've heard the heartbeats, uh, they've got the pictures posted of their babies in the womb. Uh, they are going to reject abortion. Uh, and, and I believe that as they are prone to say, we are the pro-life generation, I, I really think they are. And I think now that we're seeing even the science is on the side of life. And granted, um, maybe we have an administration that's going to take us back a few steps in that pro-life uh, cause. I get that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think that there's going to be any denying the reality of what we see uh, in those sonograms, what we hear in, uh, in, in that heartbeat. Uh, more and more and more, I think you're going to see our culture changing from a culture of death to a culture of life. Sure, it's going to take a while, but I believe that our young people, our young adults are the ones that are going to make it happen uh, because they know. They know. They're not going to buy the political uh, uh, verbiage uh, because they know the truth. Uh, and what an exciting time uh, that is as we see that trend within our own young adults 
uh, of having a faith that means something, having a faith that is more than just uh, warming a pew on Sunday. And not everybody has done that. I, I understand that. The church is where it is today because of the wonderful heritage of faith that our ancestors in the faith uh, have given to us and have left for us. Uh, but at the same time, I, I see a great sense of belief and faith and authenticity and genuineness and sincerity in our young people uh, wanting to serve, wanting to be like Jesus, uh, wanting uh, to be together the way the church in the book of Acts wanted to be together. It is an exciting time. Um, and, and so I believe that that mission that Paul talks about in Colossians 1, 28 and 29 is continuing to be the mission of the church today. Uh, we see that mystery that goes back to the future, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We see that great mission proclaiming the only one who can save us, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then lastly today, that purpose goes back to the future. We see the mission at the end of Colossians 1. We see the purpose as he begins the first few verses of Colossians 2. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, a nearby town, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal, verse 2, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Earlier that mystery was that which was now revealed in the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here Paul does the short version, and he just says, let me tell you what the mystery is. Long awaited, long hidden, now disclosed, now revealed, that mystery is Jesus Christ. To help others know that mystery is our purpose. That's our call. Uh, and Paul says, that's what I want. I want people to know Christ, and I want people to feel the sense of hope and joy that believers have uh, in a world that seems cynical and, and um, lost. Um, Paul says it, it's not that way for people of God. And, and I want others to know that. Uh, my goal, verse 2, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. I hope that's your purpose, too. I hope that your, uh, um, the mystery that you live your life by is Jesus Christ. In you, the hope of glory. I hope that your mission is to proclaim the one who gave his life for you uh, so that others all can be presented perfect, complete, mature, forgiven uh, in Jesus Christ in that day when he returns. And I hope that this describes your purpose in life, to help others see and come to understand and appreciate this great, great mystery, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, there is one place that even a souped-up DeLorean time machine can't go, and that's heaven. That's the eternal home, our resting place, where our ultimate citizenship lies. Um, gathered around the throne together, praising and serving the God who loves us so much, the, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb, looking as if he had been slain, Revelation describes him, because he had for us. 
singing his praises and glorifying the one who died for us. The good news, the mystery of the gospel is that through his death, Jesus can take us where no souped-up DeLorean can go. Jesus can take us to the very presence of the Father. I hope and pray that that is your purpose, that that is your mission, and that as you understand and appreciate more and more each day the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God bless.